0: And if you're thankful that God will never let you down, will you just praise him with me right now? He's a good God, a good God that is faithful even when we are faithless. He is faithful even when we are faithless. Man, thank you for being with us today. What a great spirit that's already here today. We praise the Lord uh, for that, we are currently in the book of Joshua, so get your Bibles out. Turn to Joshua chapter five, latter part of five, all of six. That's what we're going to kind of be hanging out at this morning. But uh, go ahead and get your Bible open. We have been uh, studying the life of Joshua, and we know that uh, Joshua was in the wilderness with the Israelites. Uh, came out of Egypt, in across the Red Sea, there in the wilderness. Um, he, Moses dies. Joshua has to lead the new generation into the promised land. Uh, We know that that this is going to be a time of transition, that they're going to go from living one way into another way. And so that's what we've been talking about, using the book of Joshua um, and understanding that all of us have transitions. We have a point A, a point C, and then B is somewhere in the middle somewhere. And we go through transitions in all types of things, family transitions, work transitions, church transitions transitions, things that that aren't always easy to progress forward into or to change. Things are not always easy. And the book of Joshua was definitely not, their transition was not easy because when they crossed the Jordan River, they were going to have to fight for Canaan. They were going to have to fight for the promised land. And God gives Joshua this amazing verse, this amazing verse for times of transition it's our memory verse, and we're going to say it together. It's gonna it's Joshua 1, 9. It's on, in the sermon notes on the screen here. Let's do the address first, the verse, and then we'll uh, do the address again, all right? This is our memory verse. Ready? Ready? All right, here we go. Joshua 1, 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. Father, we thank you for the word. And God, this morning as we look at the life of Joshua, we pray that you, Lord, would uh, teach us, Lord, and guide us um, about transitions. But Lord, also, Lord, to know how to get through the tough parts of transitions, Lord, uh, uh, the difficult parts, the sad parts, the frustrating parts. That, Lord, that you would speak uh, to all of, that, all of those groups of people, the saddened, the frustrated, the, uh, the impatient, God, the, um, the struggling, the depressed, the discouraged. May you help them, God, today. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you rose from the grave. And, God, that because of that, you can knock down any wall that stands, Lord, in your way. And we thank you for Jesus. And we pray this in the name of Christ. And all of God's people pray together. Amen. Walls. Have you ever hit a wall? before. You know, you know what I mean by that, don't you? Hit a wall, it means you're going, and everything's going smooth, it's going good, and then boom, you hit a wall. Um, hitting a wall is actually more commonly used um, for the running community, um, for the running community. Matt Lowe's back there, he's nodding his head, yes. Sam, Sam Rowe, not Lowe, because Matt's in front of her. Sam Lowe Rowe, there you go. See? Low but Sam Rowe is married to Mark Rowe, um, and Mark, of course, you know, is a coach. And Matt over here is a coach, and um, and this week I, I I texted Mark. Mark was in the first service this morning, and and I texted Mark. I said, Mark, I need you to help me. He said, Okay, on, on what? I said, Well, I know there's a running term called hitting the wall, and I know what it means. Like you're running and deplete energy and you just can't go forward, it's like, oh no, I, 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 I can't make it. I said, so tell me about hitting the wall. Tell me what that's like. And and I'm going to quote Mark this morning, Sam. So, you know, there you go. This is Mark's words. Uh, he said, if you want to run enough miles in training um, that when you're in a race you can handle the, the wall, hitting the wall... He said, 8 to 10 miles per day for a 5K race is typical. And I said, well, that's great, Mark. What about everybody else? You know, so that's what I told him. What about everybody else? I said, what what does everybody else do when they've got, when they don't don't run 8 to 10 miles a day in preparation for a 5K? um, That running community, God bless them. But you know what, what what do you do? And I'm going to quote Mark. He said, well, he said, at that point, you have to, and he texted this to me, which I love it, because it's, it's exactly what he said. He said, at that point, you have to redecide if you're going to fight through it or slow down. It becomes a, quote, mental thing, is what the great running coach, Mark Rowe, deacon at our church, said. It becomes a mental thing. And you have to redecide if you're gonna complete the race. You gotta redecide decide if you're going to stick with it or not. I love that, and uh, God spoke to me when Mark wrote that because I think that's true. Because every time we find ourselves in transitions and we're going from point A to point C and then B's choppy and messy, boy, there is such a temptation to tap out. And there's such a temptation to give up and just to say, hey man, forget this. I'm out of here, Uh, you know, because it's not just in running that we hit walls. I mean, I think all of us can say that we've been in jobs before, that we know it's the right job, it's a good job, but the monotony gets to us, you know, we know that's where we're supposed to be at, but yet, it's like, man, I just don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore, but yet, there's no reason for that, except for maybe just selfish reasons, perhaps, you know, God's not calling you to leave that job, it's just, you're just getting tired and you hit a wall, you hit a wall, or you think, um, you know, or you think, man, my marriage has been going so well, but man, it's like the fire went out of it, or it's like the, the romance left it, and now, and now what? Now what am I gonna do? You know, do I just tap out? Do I give up? You hit the wall, you gotta redecide decide if you're gonna go forward. Or uh, maybe perhaps it's with your children. You raised your children. For the glory of God, to love Jesus, you kept them in church, you prayed for them, and now you see them drifting from God or walking away from the Lord, and you think, what in the world? I mean, I didn't raise my kids to do this, and now they're, they're doing this, and you think, do I just need to give up on them, or do I keep praying for my children? Do I keep asking God to bring them back? You hit the wall, you got to read to you got to take a step back, and you got to process it. And you got to say, is it worth it? Do we, do we go forward? Um, You know, even I think on a spiritual level, many of you all have been to conferences or revival services, and you get all fired up, and you come back, and you're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. You know what I, you know what I mean by that? Then you come sit underneath my preaching for a couple months, like, man, I got to get back to that conference quick, you know. And you know, and, and maybe your Christianity, you are learning that it's not all up on the mountaintop. And sometimes it's, you know, it, you don't feel on fire all the time. And you, and it's not like you are living off of emotions all the time. It's like it's real life, kind of. And you start thinking about this Christian walk, and you say, man, if am I still going to serve Jesus even if the emotional mountaintop is not there? And which, by the way, it's not... If you go through a valley as a Christian, what is a church? It's when you go through. It's when you go through. Don't ever think you give your life to Jesus and you're always on the mountaintop. See, that's that's what I'm talking about. It's this hitting the wall. It's this you're going forward for in your marriage or for the or you're going forward for your kids, you're going forward in your job and it's like boom. I'm tired. And I'm I feel stuck or I feel like every day is just monotony or it's getting to me and it's spiritual and, and and the thing is this it's got some effects to it uh, first off the one of the byproducts of tapping out before it's time is that you miss out you miss out on something great that's coming you give up too soon a lot of people do that they give up way 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 too soon and they just need to wait and press through the wall but beyond that, the depression, the discouragement, the anger, the frustrations, the impatience, all of this stuff that is, that is a spiritual type of thing that happens in you when you hit the wall. And you're going to hit the wall. And again, not that Mark is the inerrant word of God. Mark, is he? Or Sam, is he? No, he's not. She said, no, he's not, Kenny. But I can tell you that he's right that when you hit the wall, you've got to redecide decide if you're going to go forward or not. You've got to make the decision to go forward, even if you're about to tap out. Now, we're going to be all over the book of Joshua, chapter last part of chapter 5, all through 6, and we're going to do like a survey of it kind of today. So it's you know what that means? It means buckle up, all right, because we're going fast through it today. But I do want you to see, I want you to keep your Bible open, your sermon notes open, on the screen, your app open. I want you to be having it open The whole time that we're preaching this morning, so you can be reading the verses around it, making sure your pastor's preaching in context and preaching the word this morning. All right, but here's here's the big idea today, all right? You're going to hit spiritual walls, and they're going to tell you to go backwards, to give up, to bail out, to quit, all right? Here's the big idea. You ready? Spiritual walls must fall. The spiritual walls that you butt up against have got to go. It's time that they drop. And some of you are thinking, well, how do I do that? How do I get past the spiritual wall in my marriage and my finances and my job and this and that? How do I do that? Um, Is it self-help? Is it a seminar? Those things are good, but that's not the answer. The answer to any problem, especially spiritual problems, is a spiritual answer, and that's the Lord. The only way walls will fall is through the power of God. Now, we're gonna... Just kind of go through the text this morning okay so understand what's going on joshua has led the israelites across the jordan river and they've renewed themselves to god they've this new generation they have renewed and now they've been called by god to take the promised land they're gonna have to fight for it they're gonna have to conquer it they're gonna have to war for it Um, the canaanites were very very pagan pagan people they were involved in child sacrifice they were involved and, I mean, just immorality, idolatry, you name it. And God was delivering judgment upon Canaan while also at the same time giving Canaan to the Israelites for that to become the promised land. And, and though it's hard to understand, it's, it's a discussion for another day at a deeper level of why God would tell a people to wipe out an entire nation completely. This is what happens. This is part of the judgment of God for the wickedness of this, of this, of this area. But yet we see that Joshua is on the other side of the Jordan River. They are ready to fight. They're ready to go forward. The very first obstacle in their way is like a big one. The very first wall is big because it's the city of what, church? Jericho. I mean, we still sing songs about this, don't we, Jerry? You know, Jericho, he's been wanting to sing a song all week knowing that I was going to preach this. And I said, you want to sing it today? He said, no, I don't think so. No, no, Miss Tamer said, no, he's not. Is what's going to happen. I, to be honest, he said, no, he's not going to sing that. And, uh, but so the very first obstacle, the very first one is Jericho. And, and it's fortified, and, and they're walled up in it, and they got to take it. And I want you to see what God does to knock the walls down. All right, I want you to see what the Lord does. It, because our spiritual walls fall in a very similar way. First, I want you to see that walls fall when I bow in reverence to God, when I bow in reverence to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in, verse, in chapter 5, verse 13, okay, look at this. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him. Okay, so we're getting ready to go to war. He looks up and there's this guy, and this guy's got a sword. And Joshua asked a very legit question. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Meaning we're about to plow through this place. Who are you with? We're about to plow through. And look at this. The guy says, neither. Neither. I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. And look what happens. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in what, church? Worship. And asked him, what does my Lord want to say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. Now, was this just any dude was this just like some Jericho dude, like sitting around, like you know, taking his dog for a walk, and runs into the Israelites? Don't think so. Well, who is it? Can he? Is it an angel? No, it's not an angel, because he says what he allows. He allows Joshua to what? Worship him. No angel is going to let somebody worship them. They don't do that. Angels direct worship to who? To the Lord. This guy says he comes as a commander of the Lord's army. And isn't it neat when he says, well, whose side are you on? And he says, "Uh, neither. Neither. It's kind of like the Lord is saying, "Um, hey, Israel, I'm not on your side, but you better be on my side. And so Joshua bows down. And who is this person? This is who, church? It's God. Joshua's met God. God has taken the form of a man, of a soldier, with a sword, and this is God. Notice how he said, take the sandals off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. Does that remind you of anything? Moses and the burning bush. Remember how I told you last week that it's almost like this generation is getting like a round two of what Moses went through? Remember that? Moses had the burning bush experience. Joshua has the commander experience. Many theologians would even go a step further, and without getting too deep into theological waters here, all right. Most theologians believe that this commander of the Lord's army is none other than a pre incarnate Jesus Christ. That this is Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, before he came as flesh and blood. He's taken the form. Now, whether you disagree with that or not, I'm just telling you, most theologians believe that this is the second. Member of the Trinity, and I'm kind of there too. And that this guy is the Lord, and Joshua is bowing before him. He has to remove his shoes. I think about the walls that we face in our life, in our marriages, in our church, our family, children, grandchildren, etc. Before that wall is ever ready to fall before it's ever ready to be decimated so you can press forward with what God has for you, the very first thing that has to happen is for you to get on your knees and acknowledge that God's the boss. That's the very first thing. You've got to get on your knees and say, Lord, this is about you, not about me. Now, how many of us are guilty of running ahead of God? Anybody in this room? All right. Now, you know what running ahead of God is, don't you? That's when you get a piece of paper out, and you start writing down everything you want God to do, and you start telling God your plans. And you know what? A surefire way for your plans not to work is you tell God your plans. (laughs) And he just messes them up, all right. That's what he does. He just is like, no, you're, we're not doing that. You know, that's not what we're doing. We run ahead of God. We churches are guilty of this. You know, we'll have meetings or whatnot and never pray. Oh man, we gotta say that for the church service. We're in a committee meeting. We gotta devise a strategic vision plan, but we leave God out of the strategic vision. Yeah, is that smart? Uh, no. That's dumb. That's dumb. But what happens? We run ahead of the Lord in everything we do. We make decisions, we get game plans without ever praying and waiting and bowing in reverence to God. And guess what happens? Your wall never comes down. Your wall never falls. Why? Because you've not bowed before who? The Lord. You've never went to the Lord. I love what Jesus said. He said, but seek, what? First, his what? His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What comes first, guys? What comes first? The Lord comes first in everything. The Lord comes first. So I ask you, as you press forward for what God has for you, and that boom, that wall comes up and you start devising strategic plans to get through it, I just ask you, have you just drawn near to God? Have you come near to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you done that? And if not, why haven't you? It's a surefire way to get rid of all your frustrations if you come to the Lord. You can trust in God. So I see that walls fall when I bow down to him. But Kenny, I just like it my way. Anybody else like that? We the Burger King Christians, aren't we, you know? We like it my way. Ate Burger King for the first time on Friday, and Terrence said, that's disgusting. (laughs) Walls fall, look at this. Walls fall when we bow in reverence to the Lord. But second, walls fall when I open my ears. When I open my ears, now the text is in front of you, but look here. look at verse um, look at verse um, one of chapter six. "So the Lord is speaking to Joshua. Joshua is worshiping the Lord. Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. They knew they were coming. They hunkered down. They, they built the wall up, no one leaving or entering. And the Lord said to Joshua, notice that verse, the Lord said to Joshua. That's what I want to emphasize, the Lord said to Joshua. Now, you can scan through the rest of it, but here's what he says in a nutshell. He says, Joshua, what you're going to do, you're going to go up to Jericho. We're going to take the city. We're going to bust the city down, but here's how we're going to do it. You're going to get all the people lined up every day. Every day, they're going to get lined up. They're going to get the Ark of the Covenant out. And y'all are going to march around the city one time, once a day, for seven days. Except on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. And then you're going to toot the horn, and you're going to yell real loud. And the rest will fall into place. Now, how many of you all served in the United States military? All right. What would you have done if your commander told you to do something like this in war? I mean, like, I think about Joshua's faith, but then I think about, like, all the other Israelites are like, dude, what are you talking about? We have to do what? We got to walk, wait a minute, we got to walk around a building and then yell real loud for, like, a week? Yeah. See, God was doing something. The Lord, right out of the gate, was showing Israel that he was going to take the land, not them. God was going to take the land. The Lord was going to do it. So is this a weird military plan? Uh, yeah. So does God ever tell us stuff that's weird? And like, why would I ever do that, God? Because that just like, you know, like somebody hurts me. I like to get revenge, but you tell me something weird like love your enemy and turn the other cheek. Like, that doesn't make sense. You're supposed to hit somebody. Like, why does God do this? Because God's showing you that his ways might just be better than what? Our ways. And that he's doing something amazing. So they do this. They got to march out there. And, 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 you know, whenever we try, like, strategic plans And we try, like, to really get ahead of God, and we try to do it on our own, and we try this and that, and we're not open to the Spirit of God leading us. And we don't listen to the Lord, and we try to get our own. We make really bad decisions. Like, for example, this is kind of fun. This is kind of fun. Um, Back in the late 70s, early 80s, 20th Century Fox gave George Lucas, the creator of who? Star Wars. The rights to make, to have all the toys, all the toy rights, in exchange for subtracting $20,000 from his paycheck. The toys ended up being billions of dollars worth of money. 20th Century Fox, a dumb decision. In 1962, Decca Records listened to four young boys from Liverpool, England, and they came back and said, guys, the boy band's over. And they sent Ringo, John, and Paul, and George packing bad idea, right? Bad idea. In um, the early 80s, Amblin Entertainment approached the candy company m and and they said, hey, we've got this movie coming up, and we're willing to give you free publicity for your candy, and all we ask in return is that you put our movie title on your packages. Just a, a deal. They said, we'll pass. They went to Reese's Pieces, and they phoned home with a lot of money is what happened. <laughs> See, sometimes we do stuff that we think is smart, but it's the human side of us, and it's not smart. It actually gets us in a lot of trouble. Now, with that being said, let me just share this with you. As we bow before the Lord, and that wall is coming, and we're trying to get a plan to scale the wall, and to do this to the wall, and make this happen, make that happen, whatever, etc. The Lord is saying, acknowledge me, get into my presence, and now listen to me. Now, how do you listen to God? First off, you've got to know Jesus as your Savior, right? You've got to know Christ. But second, you need to be in his word. You need to be in his word daily. The Bible should not be something that we pick up occasionally or that we pick up every now and then. No, the Bible should be part of our daily life, that we're reading and studying God's word every day. You've heard your pastor say this before, but I'll say it again. I think you should do it systematically, meaning that you start with like the book of Matthew or the book of Mark or or a book and you read verse chapter one, verse one, until you just go through it. I think there's some value in that. But, but it's amazing as you read the word of God and you study the word of God, how the Lord speaks to you, how the Lord will just print it. Words on a paper will jump out and give you the direction that you need. You know, so many times people just say, hey, Kenny, I'm just really praying about what to do. And I'll ask them, have you first off prayed about this, like consistently, repeatedly? Well, no. And then I'll say, well, have you read your Bible? Well, no. Well, that's why you don't know what to do. That's why. Because you're not in the Word. And you're not praying. Your decision making will become a lot better if you do those two things, just those two things. Your decision making is gonna go off the charts if you do just those two things. So how do we overcome the wall? Well, we, we, we start with bowing ourselves, and then we, we listen, and then third, walls fall when I act in faith, when I act in faith. So the Lord, Um, tells Joshua the game plan, the strategy of what to do, how to take the city. It's nuts. It's weird. The the city is all walled in, this gigantic wall. And uh, here's what happens. Chapter 6, verse 20. So the troops shout it. Joshua told them to shout. And they shout it. And the trumpet sounded And when they heard the blast of the trumpet, the troops gave a great shout, and the walls, what church, collapsed. Now wait a second, surely the goodness, it was the vibrational patterns of their feet for a consistent amount of time, one day a week, circling this building, And then on the seventh day, the foundations of Jericho were so utterly cracked from the vibrational structures that when they yelled and the horn was sounded, the sound waves took the cracks and busted it open. Um, no, no. Let me tell you what happened. They were obedient to God. They did something crazy that God told them to do. And guess what happened? They shouted, and God brought the walls down. And the Bible says that they went into the city... And boy, they, they cleaned it up in a nice way to say. <laughs> they destroyed it. God told them to, to completely raise the city. Nothing was to be left. Why? Because the Canaanites were so pagan, so wicked, that, they, that this had to go. This, this had to go. Everything. The only thing that was saved was the treasury, or it was, was items put into the treasury, and even that was not allowed to be kept for the Israelites. That would be melted down and then later used for the temple. So they had to go in and they had to act in faith. Now, question, was it a risk for these people to do this? I think so. I mean, why not just like if you were in Jericho, like get some spears or something and stand up on the wall and start picking them off, you know? Like why not just like take some rocks and like fling them over and hit some people, you know what I mean? They're up high, right? I mean, this looks like it's easy. Was it a risk? Yes, but faith is always a risk. I'm like on a pop culture kick this morning because I'm gonna talk about Indiana Jones now. Is that okay, you know? Who has seen Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade, anybody? Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, spoiler alert, but if you've not seen it in like 20 some odd years, you're okay, all right. So last scene, there's this, like big, this big gorge, like this big like canyon type thing, and um, it's in a cave, and... Um, Indy has, like, got all the clues, and, like, he's got to get to the other side, but there's just, like, no way across. Y'all remember this? And he's got, like, two people, remember? So, like, he's got to get across, and, like, the clue or something talks about, like, stepping out on faith or trusting in the unseen or something like that. And he's at the the spot where he knows he's supposed to be at, and he looks down, and all he can see is the, is just the canyon. That's all he can see but he knows what the clue says and he's followed them to that point and he steps out only to go down just a little bit to find that the bridge has been painted to look like the canyon and it's an invisible bridge and he walks across. See, faith, I love that. Even though it's a fictional story, I love that because it's what God tells us to do. He tells us, okay, bow in front of me, listen to me, now act upon it. Act. Have faith. And when you step out, yes, it's scary. You might fall a little bit, but boom, something's there. It's not a painted bridge. It's the hand of God. And the Lord is walking with you, and the Lord is moving you. How do spiritual walls fall? They fall with an amazing amount of faith. They fall with us having faith in God. The wall is there, and we have no idea how it 's going to fall down, but yet we read the Bible, we hear the biblical teachings, we see the principles of scriptures, we begin to apply those, and we trust that somehow, some way, someday god 's going to bust the wall down. We trust in God. By the way, the Bible is very explicit about faith we 're saved by faith, Amen. Grace through faith, that's our only salvation, faith alone. But even when you read in Hebrews, it tells us that the way we please God is through what? Faith. It's how we make God happy, is with faith. So when we meet obstacles at work, at parenting, at marriage, listen to God and have faith. What is the Lord telling you right now to trust in me? In what area? Maybe it's to do the exact opposite of what the world says. And it might just mean that you've got to take a risk for the Lord. Finally, I want you to see this, that walls fall for the glory of God. Now, I'm going to give you some reference here. They were supposed to annihilate all of Canaan, like no survivors, nobody left. That's, that was their rule. But there was... There was an exception granted. Right before they went in and they started the circling and they did all that, they sent two spies over and they went into, they snuck into Jericho. And word got out that there were some people in Jericho, we need to kill them, the the Jerichoans, whatever you call them, you know, uh, they, they were looking for them. And they found refuge, the two spies, in the house of Rahab, a prostitute. And she hides the guys up in the rafters and throws, like, some straw over them and stuff like that. And so, like, they're looking, and her house was built into the wall, which is kind of cool. And she lets them, like, go through the window, and, like, they scale down the window. Like, the Bible is so cool, isn't it? You know, and they, they do that. And then the, the guys tell Rahab, because you did this for us and you helped us, when we come in and when we take it over, which, by the way, we will <laughs> We will spare you if you take a red cord and tie it on your house. Uh, literally the red light district, wasn't it? Or the red cord district back then, wasn't it? You know? That's what it was. That's what it was. The red cord district. You tie it around. We come in. We kick people. You know, We get them. We're going to save you. We're going to save your family. Look what it says. And I won't read all of it, but verse 22. Joshua said to the two men, they were the spies that scouted the land, Go to the prostitute's house, bring the woman out of there, and all who are with her, just as you swore to her. Now, wait a second. Why are we saving the prostitute again? Like, of all the Jerichoans that we could rescue, you want us to rescue who? The prostitute? The prostitute? Oh, why? Why? Of all the people, why? Well, because Rahab had faith. She had faith in the God of Israel. The rest of them were vehemently opposed to the God of Israel. So it's, faith is something that's involved. But you know what's really, really crazy? Is that Rahab is mentioned in other places in the Bible too. Uh, she gets listed in a couple of lists throughout the bible one around david's time and one actually in the new testament and what you see happening is rahab is assimilated into israelite culture and then down the road there is this guy that's born and he is the promised messiah and his name is who church Jesus. And guess what? When you go through his lineage right there, and I'm not talking about the red letter edition, all right? But the right there is what? Rahab. Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Meaning what? Rahab came into the family of God by faith. Well, Kenny, I don't think it's fair that a prostitute got saved. Well, guess what? You, too, come into the family of God the same way that Rahab came into the family of God, and that's through faith. The same thing. The same way. It's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith into the Lord. And listen, this was so much bigger. Then the wall of Jericho fallen, so much bigger. You're talking about Jesus being born. You're talking about God's plan of Messiah coming. You're talking about the Savior of the world, the light of the Gentiles, the man that will come 2,000 years, and, uh, 2,000 years ago and die on the cross so we could be saved. The walls of Jericho was more than just a strategic military spot that had to be taken over. This is about rescuing a lady that's going to be part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. This is about God establishing a nation that will bring forth Jesus, that will bring forth the Lord. And even though those men that went in and they did these battles and they, and they fought so, so valiantly there and they were faithful to God, can I tell you something? This wasn't about those guys. And it also wasn't about Joshua. Joshua. This was bigger than all of that. This was about the Lord and the greater plan of salvation. The greater plan of salvation. The wall was falling, yes, for Israel, but more so for the glory of God. Which tells me what? When we find walls that are hindering us, we have to be ready and willing to let that wall be about God's glory and not us. Because there have been several men of God and women of God throughout all of history that if you would have thought that their wall fell, like, you know, you you would have never thought their wall fell. You never would have believed their wall fell because they were martyred for their faith or they were burned at the stake or reminded about that just the other night to a conference that we went to. Just these great men and women of God that were killed for their faith and you might think, Well, where was their wall? You know, their looks like they hit the wall. looks like they hit the wall. No, because our walls are not about what we're going through. It's about the glory of God. And you know what? If we happen to die in the process of that wall falling, praise the Lord. Because it's about the Lord. It's about God. It's not about us. What you're going through, through today is an opportunity for God to get glory does that not change your perspective a little bit church does it not change your perspective that Jesus is wanting to emerge out of this very difficult very frustrating very hard thing that you're going through that Christ wants to receive the glory and this is not about your suffering but it is about his glory Maybe today when we pray, we say, Lord, I really want the wall to fall, but if it needs to stay up for six more days when I'm ready for it to be done on day one, not my will, but what? Your will be done. That's a Christian praying like Jesus, church. Amen. Not my will, but your will be done. See, our greatest wall is not our finances, our marriages, as important as that is. It's not, it's not the biggest wall. The biggest wall that needs to fall is the barrier between us and God, the wall of sin that hinders us from the Lord. Now, listen, Jericho would fall, and we're we're not done with Joshua. We're gonna go several more weeks into Joshua, but they take the land up. They take the land, spoiler, all right? They win. And they will eventually establish a kingdom. Joshua will never see the kingdom. He'll die. Fight. You know, he'll die, you know, just seeing battle. He never sees the final product, which is kind of cool. But they eventually get kingdom, kings and they build this temple where they worship God. Like, in its, it's permanent. And I remember when Jesus died, something happened in that temple. And there wasn't a wall in the temple, but there was a big, what, curtain in the temple. And behind the curtain was this place called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in there just one time a year. That's it. And it was, a sim, it was really symbolic. It had a huge symbolism to it that said there's a, there's a wall between us and God. There's a wall between us and God. And when our Savior died on the cross for our sins, when he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Do you know what happened? The sky turned dark. There was an earthquake, and that curtain did this. And it fell. Friend, the greatest wall that you'll face between you and God was knocked down not by the shout of people, but by the death of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And today, I, give, I leave you with this encouragement that if you know Jesus, you live with a God without walls. You live with a God without walls. And if the Lord Jesus could knock down that wall in your life, I think everything else is going to be okay. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his death and his burial and his resurrection. Jesus is the better Joshua. You, Lord Jesus, are the better Joshua that knocked down the walls of our sin. Oh, Lord, we are the Rahabs that were spared, God, from your wrath and your judgment. And we just thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you. We thank you for your word and how it teaches us today and how you guide us in it, Lord. And and we pray, Father, today that whatever wall we're dealing with, God, that we'll just get before you, we'll bow before you, we'll we'll listen to you, we'll pray, we will act in faith. And, Lord, that we would dedicate it to you, our marriages dedicated to the glory of God, our parenting dedicated to the glory of God, our churches dedicated to the glory of God. Oh, Lord, help us to be strong and courageous as you knock down the walls. God, if someone today needs to come and unite with the church, give them the courage to do so. If they need to come to to receive Jesus, give them the courage to do so. Lord, if, if someone today is just struggling in their marriage, struggling with their kids, struggling with their finances, Lord, may they just see that this struggle, Lord, this struggle, God, can be used for your glory. And God just teach them. So Lord we thank you and we ask for you to move today in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Our pastors are up here. We invite you to come as you stand to your feet. As you saying, you're welcome to come and pray. We would love to pray with you. Me and Jason, Charlie's here too as one of our deacons. We invite you to come as God is leading you today.